0: They're thrilled with us. They absolutely love us.
1: Yeah, yeah, They love They're us. Good. They love us as a company. They, they they probably give us a little too much credit, but uh, Hey,
0: hey, shh.
2: I'll I'll edit that <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> Welcome to PHP Ugly episode 94. I'm John Congdon.
2: I'm Tom Rideout With
0: me always. Hey. Chill. With me as always is Eric Van Johnson. Hello. Hi, Eric. Hi. And Tom right out. Hi. Hey, guys. How are you doing? See? A nice, simple, short intro. Doing well. Get the show started. Doing well. So, so you ready for my, my interesting information of the day?
2: You're Absolutely. just opening with a so?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: got lots of scotch, so it could be a so-y-so day.
2: <laughs> so much so scotch.
0: I, I just... So, there's other podcasts that I respect that have been around for a long time. And I was listening to a couple trying to figure out some sort of intro other than what we've been doing because nobody really wanted to take on the intro today. And one of the ones that's been around for a long time, Dev, the Development Hell podcast, they started in 2011. Guess how many episodes they've done?
2: 94. No, I'm going to go
0: with
1: 316.
0: Well, you're wrong, because Tom's sorry I got it. Ninety four, just like we have. See? What? We're in league with the big boys. There's
1: no way Dev Hell's only done ninety four episodes.
0: Their ninety fourth episode was November nineteenth,
1: two thousand seventeen. What? I find that
2: hard to believe.
0: I mean we cheat. We do one every week.
2: Well, Real I podcasters
0: would... do it like whenever they feel like it.
2: I wouldn't say I wouldn't say heavy lifting is cheating if you're Going to the Olympics. <laughs>
0: Good point. Ask me so what you guys been were doing going this to? week. <laughs> what was that? I don't. Know. Thomas said something and I asked how you guys were doing.
1: It's, I it's going been a here. long ah. one. Making things happen here, baby. Making things happen.
0: I know. Should we start off this episode with our big news?
2: I mean, <sighs> yeah. Because I don't know what it is.
0: (laughs) Eric's trying to put the finishing touches on. As of this minute, or actually minutes ago, the call for papers for WavePHP went live. So if you head over to cfp.wavephp.com right now, you can start submitting your talks. I guess we should clarify that this is being recorded on February 1st, 2018. (sighs) Call for papers will be open I think we're targeting all of February, right? So we're gonna have it open for four weeks, at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to us within the the first four weeks of this thing being released, you can head over and submit your talks.
1: That's right. Man, if, if you're, so you're if so you're listening to us that. live, you can have a first crack at the almost fully deployed call for paper. So as
0: <laughs> <laughs> as it. As it breaks down right now yeah so we're, we're ha- talking to you Mrs. some, <laughs> some colors
1: here <laughs> so uh yeah but that's that's the thing apparently <laughs> all right call for papers Live.
0: obviously we're gonna end up tweaking the site a little bit we we spent a little bit of time on it but there's still plenty to be done so if you notice any oddities let us know yes
1: yes yes let us know
0: interesting it wasn't open cfp done by uh grumpy
1: yep this is chris's uh package or project See, it's not even a package it's a whole project
0: yeah chris thank you for letting us share episode 94 with you and using your your uh oh yeah that's right he does De- CFP. he
1: does the dev hell podcast too look at that we're just yeah. trying to be like chris everybody's trying to be like chris
0: you are too with the uh with the, the scruffy beard,
1: beard in, in the in the yeah. bad disposition,
0: <laughs> you are a grumpy grumpy guy. Sometimes, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Thomas, you're you're being pretty <laughs> so quiet. Thomas... What's going on with you?
2: I I was looking up a media article written by friend of the show Ted Nugent.
1: Ted, it's ready to articles. You
2: know, he. He hopped hopped into our channel and it reminded me that he has posted on Medium now about Laravel, Forge, Envoyer, Cloudflare, SSL, and you.
1: Do share the uh share the link and add it to the show notes,
2: please. I will drop that in. He's he's on our That's... channel here claiming that he's not an activist. But uh I do see a lot of activity here in this medium post, so <laughs> I, and man, he uh, is that's one That's how cute I like guy. to clarify activists. That,
1: that, is, that is one cute guy right there.
2: I believe that's a baby.
1: You think that's a baby? I, I think he's I think just a young is... looking
2: uh, dude. I don't Ted. know. These tech guys get younger and younger every I'm year. I'll tell you. I know. <laughs> every year
1: they're younger and younger. Jeez, i oh, flip.
2: Nice he's probably got, he probably got my... eight years of node under his belt, too.
0: <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out where medium fits in like why has it become so popular
2: it doesn't it's it is it is the long form of twitter it is an absolute that, that's exactly i am that's so exactly. tired it's
1: of it. not a cesspool it's exactly that though it, it's it when especially when twitter was 140 characters It's where people went at first is where people went to put in a little extra verbiage and then it's kind of turned into a, you know well it was always a blogging platform, but it's kind of became the de facto blogging platform for a lot of people It's the same as you know every blogging platform it's like everybody wants to do it themselves and people get tired of managing the servers and so they start using a service and right now mediums that service it's i don't know i don't, I don't well, know I, why why you would hate it so much it's just a just a platform I mean,
2: i'll I'll tell you why I subscribed to hacker noon. On my RSS reader, and I was expecting a lot of in-depth articles about technical things coming up and breakdowns of languages and technologies, and it just is not that. It is well, it is an RSS feed. It's like Twitter, though. No,
1: it's like Twitter. You've got to follow the right people. I mean, if you just blindly follow anyone. You're gonna you're gonna get a lot of crap, but if you curate your list and watch who you follow, then yeah, you'll be well. Fine. That's the
2: thing is I was under the impression that that Hacker Noon was somewhat curated, which it is uh, not. It is just no, an no. open dump of crypto recommendations, and it it's the content is so genuinely bad as just a as just a fire hose at your face.
0: Speaking of crypto recommendations from last episode, did you check out Doug Poke Crypto? I did his YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, What'd I did. I, I only caught one of his episodes so far, and <laughs> my walk away from it was very, very bad. Really? Um, yeah. Not from not from him. He's a smart guy, but the story he was covering was basically how to tell. What the deal is with all these Ponzi schemes that are out there and how they're operating um, and as he was explaining sort of how the Ponzi works, which is that they they have a market cap of you know 10 million um, and they say that it's all backed, but they end up spending nine million of the 10 million, so only you know ten percent of it is actually backed. But you don't know that until more than 10% of people cash out completely, which in crypto, nobody does. I mean, the crypto trend right now is hold through the lows, hold through the highs, just keep dumping money into crypto, don't ever take money out. And I realize that we're just building a Ponzi scheme of our own making by never taking money out of crypto. John, I can't hear you.
0: Weird. So it's like any other investment. It depends on what you're putting money into, right? So one of his episodes that I really liked was around uh, you should be investing in things you look into more. And dang it, I had it was on the tip of my tongue when I was talking into the muted microphone. <laughs> so what we want to do is invest in things we think are valuable. And then I'm going to cry because I am dying right now. Good job. Yeah, this this conversation went well. (laughs) Very well.
2: Well, he was talking about uh, Tether and how Tether says that their coin is backed, it's what? USDT? Backed by...
0: Okay, so that's the one I just watched recently. It's supposed to be tied directly to the U.S. dollar.
2: Right, because they have actual U.S. dollars all over the place. But you look at where they are listing their U.S. dollars, and it's all Cayman Islands, Panama. It's everywhere throughout the world. And it's $2.5 billion. And then... People are looking through the Paradise Papers and finding out that the names of the founders are tied to the names of other Ponzi schemes, and it's like, oh, that's bad, and the audits haven't actually happened like they said they would, and people are being told by the community, just hold your money forever. And that's the thing about these these retirement plan-style holdings, is that if you're if you're holding for your retirement and everyone is getting in at the same time right now, and we're you know we're in the same general age range, then when we all retire and we use our cryptocurrency to cash out, then the market's going to just tank because we'll, see, we'll all be trying to I, cash out at once.
0: That's where I get confused. This shouldn't be an investment. I mean, people are making an investment, but to me, aren't we supposed to be building these new technologies. We're not necessarily investing to make money. We're not trying to replace our IRA, our 401k. And I think people are just trying to make it a quick get rich quick scheme. And that's where the issue really falls apart.
2: Well, and I think that's where the value is inflated is that it is right now very much a get rich quick scheme with some good ideas behind it. You know, that's why I'm still... On board with Ethereum because I look at Ethereum and the way it's moving and that it has a strong future. But then I look at stuff like Ripple and Litecoin and these other currencies that are just ways of moving money from one place to another or ways of inflating your own value. And I'm losing hope in these, these altcoins of having any value whatsoever.
0: Has there been any successful ICO yet?
2: Yeah, all of them. I mean, how do you define success? They sold all their tokens. Not
0: not success in they made a lot of money. Success in they're raising money to do some good. Have they done that good?
2: Um, The Pineapple Fund. So, recently, uh, the Pineapple Fund, which is a charity that is founded on Bitcoin, essentially, donated uh several million dollars to different charities so the eff has a one million dollar donation from them uh the water project has one million OpenBSD got fifty thousand uh, so there are projects the apache software foundation got a million dollars there are projects that are intending to do something that turns around quickly but there are projects like the DAO, which is intended to fund years and years of development.
0: But going back to the Pineapple project, am I putting am I buying into their ICO hoping to make money off of that? Or am I doing a charitable contribution? No, you're just giving them at money. that point.
2: Yeah, you're just giving right. charitable contributions. So
0: so it's that's different. You know, people are buying into ICOs thinking, I'm gonna turn my five cents into fifty cents quickly.
2: Well, I mean I think Ethereum would be the most successful ICO because Ethereum funded itself off of the DAO contract, which was an ICO. Um granted it got hacked and all the money got stolen and they had to hard fork to reset it, but they they did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interesting. Um, where where I was know, trying to go before was was talking when I was talking about the Doug Poke crypto channel was he has a whole uh episode where he, he talks about some of these Ponzi schemes. Not the tether you were talking about, but just how that whole system is working and how to try and avoid that. S- speaking specifically to things like BitConnect and a couple of the others.
2: I think the the, the first thing you can do is invest in a, a contract, not in a promise.
0: Yeah. All right, we need to move off of cryptocurrency i was just curious
2: what do you got you have uh one item in trello
0: me so i have a question for you guys when you're when you're working with an open source project and i happen to have picked one i wanted to to incorporate into a project recently and within a couple hours of working on it there was a flaw in how i needed it so Thomas is you as an open source maintainer, this is probably more for you. I open a pull request, and I see that there are other pull requests that look like they're going to be merged at some point. But I don't know what the maintainer's idea of, of release are. I, I would think that they would say, oh, look, this does what it's supposed to do. There's tests. Everything's good. Let's just merge it. But maybe some are more on a regimented, we're going to release every x weeks or x months so what would you do as a user of that library do you then just fork it and in your composer require your own or do you continue requiring the the main branch of it
2: yeah i would i would fork it and use my own fork
0: and then what wait once it's once it's your pr is accepted go back to their version of it yeah, because obviously I want to stay up to date with any changes that are made.
2: Yeah, um, you can if you're maintaining your own fork, you can merge backwards to right. get but any changes that they make.
0: But then you have to stay up to date with all of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's an issue that I've run into several times with libraries that I needed a quick fix on, and it had a one or two or three month turnaround on pull requests. And that's I, not much you can do except just so, make noise every couple days.
0: So in the project I'm talking about happens to be, uh, Thinx, I don't know if you're aware of that project. Um, it's in their, their MySQL adapter. So I had somebody on the team say, well, we could write our own class that extends the MySQL adapter and updates just the part we needed, which is true. But we still have the same issue. Now we're using the primary fork so we get any benefit that they contribute to that except for that class, right? If I override that class and that method, if there's any other changes in there, I won't get that benefit until I realize, oh, they've accepted my PR and then go and revert basically the code in my code base.
2: Yeah. And... If you were going to go as solid as possible, then I would say everything you do, every library you implement, should be abstracted away in your code. So you should you should always be implementing whatever you're importing, so you can override methods. Um, but it's just not practical for modern development to do that for everything. Right. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a catch twenty two. You gotta either commit to time later and and difficult maintenance in one direction or the other.
0: What, what I didn't find on GitHub very easy is, is the only way to contact a maintainer through a GitHub pull request or issue?
2: Everyone I see on GitHub now has a link to their um, crypto... Uh, their keybase chat. Have you seen that lately?
0: I have not seen that on on GitHub. I mean, I, I use keybase in keybase chat. Not that I do a lot of talking with that, but
2: with uh, the Buzzcoin stuff, I had some people I wanted to contact and get their opinions on things, and I found every single time that keybase chat was the way to do it. Hmm. So is it
0: part of their readme? Is that where it's standard? Or standardized?
2: No, it's on the profile page, on on the user profile page on GitHub. Oh. I I don't know how it ties in. I think it's just that Keybase asks you to integrate with everything it can think of when you install it.
0: You know what? As I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm realizing I think I used a fork of the main project so now i feel like an idiot i wonder if <laughs> i probably need to update that <laughs> this person has a bunch of fork or a bunch of pull requests into theirs and i wonder why they became more popular than the main one
2: i've seen that happen with a lot of stuff i've a lot of crypto stuff somebody just sort of says i'm bored with this and walks away and there's a hundred people using it, and they start clamoring for help.
0: But but Phinx is maintained by CakePHP. It's one of their projects. And I think I'm I think I am requiring from one of the seven hundred forks. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like an idiot, and I admitted to it on live podcasting. We'll fix it in in uh, post, right?
2: Well, I I'm looking at Packagist, and are you using the Rob Morgan fork? I am. It shows up ahead. It shows up with four and a half million downloads, and CakePHP slash migrations shows up with one point two million.
0: That's crazy. I wonder what made them. What no, set Yeah, hit Rob Morgan robs is the apart. correct
2: one. The Cake one requires the Rob Morgan branch.
0: Oh really? <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. Yeah, look, anyway,
2: looks looks like that's the original.
0: Eric, you're being very quiet. What do you what, what have you had going on? You're muted. Oops, oh, still muted.
2: This is the this is the we're on mute episode.
0: What? How about how about now? I I can you hear me ex- now? There you go. No, there that's, better. go. <laughs> that's better. That's better.
2: So I, I
1: got HTTPS uh, on. call call for papers Uh, it looks like we we're having issues uploading profile pics but i don't think a whole lot of people are probably going to do that we can figure that out later but yes https is now enabled on uh wave php's call for papers
0: so you've been busy while we've been chatting i like it
1: busy i'm excited man i'm excited i'm excited for the conference i'm excited to get the call for papers out i'm excited man
0: me too Oh, you know why? Uh, actually no such follow directory. I'll fix that up anyway. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, we had a pretty exciting week this week, Thomas. John and I went and saw one of our long-standing clients. Um, great client. You know, we've we've been working with them for a few years now. Uh, They're the ones that brought us in to kind of maintain this legacy app. We've talked about it on the show in the past, and we've talked about some of our approaches where we've done, like, this API-driven architecture, and what that allowed us to do was uh, create current, like, um, platforms while still leveraging the old platform and then using APIs. This is also the project uh... where... Uh, we kind of came up with that approach of doing the Laravel wrapper around the, the legacy code. So we ha- deployed right, a, right. a Laravel app in the legacy code, and we've we've been kind of working in this mucky environment for a while. And the just kind of the process of getting them off the legacy code has been such a slow process. I mean, we've been doing it here and there, and we we'll get little little victories, little chunks and the customer was was ha- was okay with it but you can tell that
0: they're thrilled with us they absolutely love us
1: yeah yeah they, they love really us good. they love us as a company they 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 probably give us a little too much credit but uh hey hey shh. I'll I'll edit it that out <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i just progress was slow and and we were getting frustrated so we kind of huddled up as a team the Diego, Diego dev guys did and uh kind of talked about it and said okay what what are our blockers here what's really what's the real reason why we can't progress this client c- quicker and you know when we started to really dissect the the challenges we've been facing over the last year with with the hybrid approach of the Laravel wrapper around the older code we you know we came to the realization that you know this 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 code base, this architecture had just pitfalls all through it and it wasn't just the code it was the data structure it was how they defined their schemas it was the relationships they defined between the data you know nothing was compliant and again not knocking the developers who did it this is 1213 year old co- a thir- 12 13 year old code base that's been making this company money for that much time so i know where i was as a developer 12 13 years ago so i'm definitely not going to knock these guys um. Yeah. There, there were no PSR These compliance people. and any any of that. So they did what they needed to do to get a product created, and it's it a company was built around that. So you know, my hats off to them. But we couldn't do anything. You know, we 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 were just kind of feeling like we were running in sand with it. So what the team, you know, what we all kind of decided is like, what we need is just to go greenfield. Just go to them and say. We need to sunset this application and we just need to build from scratch, not trying to build, to migrate or trying to, tr- to accommodate the existing application, just rebuild a brand new application. And, you know, John and I talked about it it's like, yeah, that would be great. There is no way in the world they're going to want to do this, especially when we tell them, yeah, it's going to probably take a year or two to, you know. Get a full featured application like you you currently have. And, uh, but, you know, we, we said, okay, we'll, we'll go talk to the client. And John and I went down uh, this week and talked to the client and said, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but this is what we want to do. We want to just put <laughs> the current application in maintenance mode. And we just
0: want to. We'll, we'll assign one developer just to do bug fixes, no new features. This is what we want to do.
1: And, they were floored they were ecstatic they were so so happy they were, they were happy
2: like, about that
1: they
0: they were happy about it that it
1: completely caught me off guard i had i had this list of arguments that i was going to make f- to to do the the greenfield project and they were just like that's a fantastic idea we we need to do this we've been
0: wanting you to come to us with that for a year now <laughs>
1: <laughs> so one of our biggest clients what in the, the cool thing about this client is first thing they're great people to work with. They're not a tech company. Uh you know they they have they have a separate their business is something completely outside of tech, but they take advantage of tech and the owner is a very progressive thinker. He he really sees you know the value added to to what we do and the the platform that we build. And he's he's just such a great guy because just having the conversation with him. And this is the thing I was sharing with the team later is he's so passionate about his industry that he wants to he wants to start defining standards and he doesn't he wants these he's like and the standard you know he's basically talking about PSRs for his industry. He's like, I want to define these standards. I want them to be open. I don't want people to think they have to use my company to get these standards, but I want people to know that, you know, we're the ones leading the charge to define these standards and we're making the whole industry better because of these standards. It's like, you know, that's, he's just, he's just a very passionate guy. And he just, he enjoys the industry he's in the field. He's in, and he really wants to make that industry better. And again, standards compliant. It's like, I, you know, I I want to tell him, yeah, you know, we just went through this in our world. In, in the PHP world, we, we were going through this right now. And yeah, it's working. But he's a great guy. And he's, they're a great, uh, great uh, client. And I'm happy to know we'll be doing business with him for, for the foreseeable future.
0: <laughs> and he's also That's... way into new technology. So he really wants to take advantage of the blockchain. But not just because blockchain is the buzzword, but because he's done a lot of reading and research and thinks that it plays a key role in what they want to do.
1: Yeah, well,
2: that's, I and I,
1: that's I, good news. I I honestly think he he has probably some of the best use cases for blockchain. Um, and again, he's not using it for the e-commerce portion for the, the transaction of Bitcoins. No, he's, he's really thinking of, of other, other uses for it. And I think he, I think he has some really good use cases for it.
0: Uh, I'm hoping where he, So we'll talk, we'll talk off air about it more with you. Thomas, Since you have more experience with it.
1: Yeah. So that, that was such an exciting week. I I was so, so happy. And, And you know, what else was funny is to see how excited the team was too. Like, you know John mm-hmm. and I we're passionate about this. I mean this is what we do day in day out. You know, but we understand that we're freaks of nature, right? I mean, not everybody's going to have the same passion for what we do. For some people this is a, their job and they don't care to get into it or, or to have any sort of pride behind it or anything. And obviously those aren't the type of people that John and I look for when we're when we're bringing people into our little fold. And just to see everybody's reaction to the news just kind of solidifies like, you know, we have the right people uh, working on this project because everybody was just so ecstatic. And, and, you know, just, it just, it was just a good feeling in the office this week. It's just, everybody's you just got this renewed energy of, yes, we get to work on something new because these guys have been trudging through this legacy code for years. And finally, you know, we have other projects, we have other clients and there's one team specifically that everybody's kind of envious of because they work on a Greenfield app and they got to build the app from start to finish It's kind of funny because they actually ran into a little issue where the client in the 11th hour decided to do a complete change but um, or 23rd hour I guess but but it was still a Greenfield application and uh, these guys who have been Just going through the muck and the mud and and working in this legacy code for years, finally have an opportunity to, you know, do some new stuff and everybody's so excited, so happy. It's fun.
2: It's, It's interesting that that came up with you guys because I'm dealing with a very similar situation too, where we are making a sort of pivot that requires enough change in our system that we're just rewriting a lot of our system from scratch And uh, so I've started work. My boss is on vacation.
1: He is always on vacation. What is this guy's story?
2: He's a globetrotter now. It's his thing. (laughs) He, yeah. He, uh, so he left me with the instructions of just get it up and running. And so now I'm sitting with an empty Laravel project thinking, how radical can I get this before he comes back? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, my, you know, step one is getting some of the fundamentals in there, but step two is rewriting the entire database into Mongo. Ooh. And just seeing what he thinks.
1: This is your idea um, or his
2: idea? That's my idea.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: So, I'm, I'm devoting a bit of my personal time to that side of the project because
0: i What's look your at the use, use case, case for that, though? I mean, what. Any reason you're going that route?
2: I was looking at it for analytics i wanted uh, fast storage of user data for analytics purposes well
1: and also and, depending on what piece he's using it for I, I mean he could be dealing with a lot of unstructured data to begin with
2: it's kind of the opposite it's the fact that our data is structured in the document format right we publish okay. a document yeah it's 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 unstructured structured it's so mm-hmm. it's the documents that are built out of structured or out of unstructured data so we have uh i'll say actors and actresses and movies that actors and actresses star in and genres of movies that actors and actresses star in and probably and, tags and the way associated all of those, yeah mm-hmm. so the way all of those things associate when you render a page I was reading through the MongoDB documentation and guides and I went oh my god this is this is intended for our data structure this is intended for exactly what we're doing I can't believe that we've never looked at this before because we generate a document that is published and it's the, the document stays the same basically after publication after publication forever and ever mm-hmm. but some of the data that builds the document does change. And that's what MongoDB does. That's what mm-hmm. the NoSQL databases do, is they build and publish documents and republish documents if they need to be changed. And it's just, I was really thrilled to read into that. And being given you know a three-week period of time where I'm in charge of my own sort of function has been uh, very nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to see what you get out of that and uh, probably pick your brain on it a little bit because yeah it's I, I I'm a big fan of the no sequel approach we've talked about it in the past you know but it's it's hard to find good use cases for it um, yeah I'll, I'm gonna I'll, I'm looking forward to picking your brain on this a little bit and, and seeing what you come up with
0: we have another member on our team that Preaches no sequel all the time, and he still hasn't convinced me that that's the way to go. And with us starting this new Greenfield app, I, I would really like to know, like, make the right decision on which way we go. And I know we're not tied to one or the other. We could have some some aspects in NoSQL, some aspects in a a traditional like MySQL database. But what's the use case? Why would well, I go one way versus the other? Well, that's
1: the nice thing about uh, the greenfield app i've already I've already scoped out that the database is going to be mySQL five seven and that actually gives us that JSON uh, data type, which is basically what uh, uh, a NoSQL database is. It's just a date JSON document and uh, you know perfect use case is um, we're building. One of the applications we're building currently is called, you know, is is like the smart form, and again, it has no structure. How many, how many, um, how many questions the form has? How many properties per question? How many, how many sub questions that might be related to questions? There's no, there's no real structure to what the form looks like. So what we've Mm -hmm. come up with is, uh, you know, it basically
0: builds a JSON of of the form. I mean, end of day, there's still structure to it. I mean, if you really wanted to build that with a MySQL table, you could. It would be ugly. You're just going you to the, end up with a lot of tables.
2: Right. There's still structure to it, but one of them looks like a programmatic structure, while the other looks like a relationship model, mm-hmm. a relationship, you know, Excel spreadsheet. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's the thing that interested me is that if I'm logging you know, just wrote data uh, verbatim clicks on a website, that to me is relational data where it's uh, user ID, video ID, click time and date where it's just, that's the relationship and it's static and stays like that forever. But if you're building an end result page out of a collection of other information and that page is a sort of static endpoint on your site, then unstructured programmatic ways of doing it make a lot more sense. Yeah. But
0: you're so you're talking about building the the MongoDB out of a traditional relational database.
2: I'm talking about converting it. So essentially when I render a page, take all the data that I've used to render that page, save it as an object and then save that object into Mongo and but
0: so it, does that parts. become your does that become your write source as well? Like what if I want to update it? Are you updating it in Mongo? Or are you updating it in MySQL and then letting that update your MongoDB?
2: I would probably write it to MySQL and then update it to push it to Mongo, but I'm not sure. I don't uh, have the experience yet to, to figure See, that part out.
0: That's fascinating to me. So you're you're talking about living in a hybrid world, which isn't bad. I'm just curious, again, going back to use cases.
2: If yeah, I'm writing I, from
0: scratch. Am I going to write directly to Mongo, or am I going to do what you're talking well, about? We, have
2: we cache our pages to Redis, so we're already living in somewhat of a hybrid world.
0: Which I mean, I think most people today should be using some sort of cache, right? Whether it's you
2: know, I don't, but I don't think it's a lot more "quote unquote" hybrid than most of the other functionality. I think it just has one; it has a different moving part.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think John's point is, you know, functionally, as a coder, you know, if if I need to update data, if I need to get data, trying to get your head around the the no structure of uh, a NoSQL database is, it's challenging. I mean, I enjoy it. I, I've worked in it before. I still try to find good use cases, but unlike the, 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 the individual who works with us, he, he's completely converted. He's like, If you tell him you're building an application, he he just says, okay, it's a NoSQL database unless you can convince me there's a reason, there's a real reason we need a relational database. See, otherwise, we'll just keep it as a NoSQL database. And it's interesting to talk to him because he's got valid arguments. And, you know, our arguments are usually the same. Well, it's a relational database unless there's a compelling reason you can give me for it not to be a relational database. And this kind of goes, you know, that's kind of the back and forth that happens right now. Um, you
2: well, know- I think my recent experience with JavaScript has is one of the things that's made it flip in my head for me because I, I very much feel myself leaning towards NoSQL first because of how I've been dealing with JavaScript objects so much lately and how how much sense it makes when you're storing an object and fetching an object and editing an object,
1: right? But you're talking about a defined object, but having all the data, for example, back to your actor uh, reference, in a, in a NoSQL database. I mean, you basically store all the information related to the ac- actor in one document. You know, there's not, there's not. You can do relational. You can, you can do relations to other records, but typically everything about that actor is defined just in a document. And so it's, it's a, it's a different it's, paradigm. Now, my problem with those, but it,
0: it's
1: a, my problem with those databases has all has, has always been, and it still is that I think it puts too much of the burden on the developer because now the developer is on the hook to, for data integrity, for data validation, uh, the the typically the NoSQL solutions, they don't care what you feed it. Just feed it JSON and it'll store it. But, you know, is a phone number a phone number? Well, now as the developer, I have to make sure not only is my code doing all the checks correctly, but everybody who submits to me, they're doing the checks correctly. And I think that's where I start to think, well, it's it has a little bit of a disadvantage from that perspective because with a relational database currently, like MySQL, I can put those restrictions on, on on the data structure itself. And if my developers miss something, the database will puke it out to them and say, nope, I can't accept this. You you gave me a string. It needs to be a number. And that's where I kind of st- start to say, okay, well, i end of, end of day, data is data, right? I, whatever format the data is in, you can work with it. It's just a matter of what's, What's keeps the data integrity and what's easier as a developer to work with? And relational databases still seem to win out in my mind with that because there are t- several tiers to that validation, data structure, data integrity
2: piece. Well, with, with that, if you look at Laravel models and how they have uh, belongs to many, has many, things like that, those kinds of relationships that's what you would create for something like mongodb you would have an object that represents every individual storable thing so right
1: but, uh, but you'd
2: have a hair colors object and then you'd have a genders object and then the person object would point to the an instance of a hair color object right and then but
1: but again you're saying you know in laravel you can define those relationships so it becomes transparent at the end of the day, the developer is still just getting back a, 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 a collection to work with or, or an object to work with. The fact that it's a relational database is irrelevant to them. That, you know, it's,
2: it's irrelevant unless you look at performance where these relationships can be extremely slow performing. Um, when I want to know when I want to know something that's n relationships back. Uh, MySQL has to perform some really dense logic and queries to manage that. Whereas with documents, that logic, those queries are all written in the native language of your choice. So in PHP, I would say, here's how these objects relate to each other. And then I would just freeze that in time. And whenever I pull those objects back again, that relationship is instantly restored. So at the time that the object is created... All of its relationships are established. All of its properties are established and then frozen in the database. So you're, you're moving the table structure out of MySQL and into your code base. And it does put a lot more work onto the developer, but I don't have a DBA. So that work is already on me no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's a valid point. I'll be I'll be interested to see where you are with this week after week. We'll we'll continue to touch base on this because I, this is something we've we've been toying with for a couple years now in Diego Dev and, and talking about use cases and where it makes sense and where it doesn't make sense. And there are definitely areas where I think it does make sense. And I think we all use NoSQL solutions. I know John's using it for one of his clients. Uh. Yeah, you know, it's it happens to be Firebase, but it's still a NoSQL solution. So, I mean, we do acknowledge that that there are the use cases. I'm just not, I'm not on board like with our developer who believes everything can be a NoSQL, or everything should be a NoSQL, unless unless there's a justification for it not to be. I'm still, I acknowledge. I'm an older developer. I've been, you know, I've been, do- I've been doing relational databases for a very long time. So I-, I acknowledge the fact that maybe it's old dog, new trick with me. But I really struggle to to get to the point where I would go to a NoSQL solution before I went to a SQL solution or a relational database.
0: Exactly.
2: I, I think the way I see it is that if I had a blog post object that I had put together. And I wanted to save it. If I save it as NoSQL, I just lock the object in time until I pull it out again and I get the literal instantiated object back. Versus if I'm using MySQL, I'm taking, I have to break the data up into what my SQL finds acceptable and write it in a way that MySQL finds acceptable. And then when I'm reinstantiating or when I'm rehydrating, then I have to pick out all the pieces from all the different places again. And re- and you know rehydrate from a million different places, oh. so you're you're rebuilding an object that you could have just frozen in time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a document. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, so, I'll I'll let you guys know where I end up with it because uh, I'm I'm really intrigued uh, by what I've been reading. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a move on. We we have been talking about that one for a while, and we're almost an hour into the show already. Um. One thing we talk about a lot here is user groups and the importance of user groups and meetups and going out there and talking, you know, being part of your local community. Uh, John and I are obviously big uh, with user groups here in San Diego. Thomas, you know, you moved to uh, wherever it was you moved, Salt Lake City or what is it, where are you at? Salt Lake.
2: Colorado. Yeah.
1: No, it's Colorado, but is Colorado.
2: This, are, are you in Salt Colorado Lake? Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah salt lake is in utah
1: oh yeah (laughs) it's
0: all the same
2: (laughs) i don't know dude it snows anything anything
0: east of san diego is east of san diego
2: (laughs) just east
1: i moved east
2: (laughs) colorado
1: (laughs) anyways uh colorado springs uh thomas got involved and is helping with uh getting the the user groups out there running so obviously we're passionate about this and of course we, we mainly focus on PHP and we did the Laravel meetup for a while out here in San Diego, but you know, our industry and our developers, our scope is more than just PHP and uh, the local view, J uh, view JavaScript uh, meetup group. There there was one here in San Diego. Uh, I got to meet the guys running it a couple times. Great bunch of guys. Uh, they're really passionate about, Vue.js and and JavaScript development just in general, and uh, they put together this this uh, meetup. I had gone to a couple of them, and then one of our developers uh, started going to the meetups, and he he really enjoyed it. I mean, he he got a lot out of it. They they used to do. Um, uh, like tutorials so they they'd actually build applications for each meetup and it was fun but unfortunately as life you know happens and everybody gets busy and people move on to different jobs and different responsibilities the guys running the Vue.js j s meetup was they were just like um yeah we're not going to be able to do this anymore and we we got the notice i i got a notice in the email saying hey you know, your your view j s meetup is going to be disbanded unless somebody steps up as a, as an organizer. And sure enough, uh, you know, a couple of guys with Diego dev reach out and say, Hey, uh, you know, we noticed that the organizers for you, are stepping down. Um, you know, I think we're going to step up and, and start running that meetup. And, you know, John were like, John and I were like, yep, you've got our support 100%. So, so we we had a couple of uh, guys step in and they're still they're still kind of getting things organized or looking for a place to host it but uh we've got a couple of Diego dev guys running a Vue.js JS meetup now. I'm real I'm I'm excited I'm proud of that. Again, just kind of reflect back to the type of people you know we're working with and how passionate it is how passionate people are with what they're working with. I want to just kind of put a put the word out there. If you, if you're in San Diego if you do view js and for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast which i have, would have no idea why you would be listening to this podcast have no fear the meetup is still alive and uh being uh, worked on
0: first one's coming up they- this month right in february
1: <laughs> do they find a spot though I-, I wasn't sure if they had found a spot or not
0: hmm. good question
2: uh may 18th no They do not have an upcoming meetup yet, but I'm sure we'll let our listeners know when that does show up. Yeah.
0: Well, while you two were talking back and forth, I got profile picture uploads working.
1: You're an awesome person.
0: So so you go to cfp.wavephp.com. You can submit your profile, upload a profile picture, and your wonderful talks to come to San Diego and present. See? We're working hard.
1: Hey, look at that! I got a profile picture up. Awesome. Oh wow, he's really, he
0: was really—he was serious, Eduardo. Nice. I thought he was joking. Eduardo, in in our live chat, asked why Barack Obama was following me. I thought he meant WayPHP, but no, he's following my account.
1: Holy smokes! You're a CEO, man. You're an it's important person.
0: But the funny part is, I'm not following the Barack Obama ac- account. You know, sometimes how auto follows people that follow them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's so, funny. I'm honored. You're you're an important. Thank you. You're an important cat, man.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate it. I should follow you too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the obligatory follow back when the president follows you, you know, sort of <laughs> maybe. Maybe
1: it's a good idea.
0: I'm one of 625,000 people that Mr. Obama follows, so I better tweet important stuff.
2: I have my doubts that that's the real Mr. Obama.
0: It's the verified Barack Obama account.
1: (laughs) I want to see if he follows me now. I'm Uh. jealous. I'm really jelly here. (laughs) Let me see. Barack Obama, is he following me? He is following me. Oh, now I'm weirded out. (laughs) He's following me. Awesome. I am following him.
0: Probably signed up. That's funny. Yeah.
1: He's actually following a lot of people in the PHP community that I see. Yeah.
0: I, we we I can't make we, sense we got a bot. Thing. We just got a bot into our our live chat room.
1: In YouTube, I'm digging it.
0: Yeah, oh, that's, that's great.
1: How do you how do you <laughs> ban this? I don't know. I
2: don't know. Well, he's starting to make a lot of sense, though.
0: Happy is he who kills your children. What? Yeah,
1: yeah it, it's it's funny. I'm like, oh yeah, we 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 don't need admins in our chat. There's never anybody in there. Oh,
2: yeah, look at
0: that. That's funny. All right, we're starting to run long, and now we're just talking about stupid things.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I have, I have the closer. Do you guys are we ready for the closer? We,
0: we haven't talked about anything this episode. No,
2: we really haven't. We talked about tons. We're,
0: we're an hour in. And we haven't talked about anything relevant. I
1: think I, I, I haven't. Where, what happened? I lost my Trello board. I don't know what Trello is. Here it is, I got it. Alright. Um yeah, I mean if you guys want to wrap it up, I'm I'm good. Feels like it feels like a short
2: show. Well, this is a this is a complicated topic. Okay. Because we all have we all have something on this one. Um this 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 is a shining ray of light in my doom and gloom.
1: Uh oh. Okay.
2: Facebook. Some weird things are going on with Facebook this month. All right. I'm not sure if you followed. It's the The numbers came out today, and one million North Americans have left Facebook. So their, their interactions have gone up by 34%, but their user count has gone down by a million. This is after news that a lot of prominent tech people are keeping their kids off of Facebook and the story we talked about a couple of weeks ago where the one of the creators of Facebook's marketing and advertisement platform regretted everything she was involved in <laughs> and decried Facebook's invasion of privacy and society
0: hmm.
2: and you have Eric you have a story here about Facebook
1: I, I do. I mean I, I guess kind of piggybacks on, on what you're discussing, um the fact that you know, I, I've iterated a few times, I have I have no active protest against Facebook. I'm not avoiding Facebook. I just don't go to Facebook anymore. I didn't
0: Wait, I didn't... wait, wait, wait. We've got breaking news coming in right now. Eduardo had let us know that Barack Obama is not following Thomas. Important breaking news. This is this is All a right, very, back intelligent, to your Regu-
1: very back- intelligent man.
0: Yeah, back to your reg- regularly scheduled program, Eric. Take <laughs> Eric, go ahead.
1: Uh, uh, I forget what we were talking about. Oh Facebook. yeah, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, you know, I'm I'm obviously not. Um, yeah, I'm not making any stand against Facebook or anything. I just the the content on Facebook uh, wasn't engaging to me anymore, and yeah you know, i I just got tired of of it and I got tired of going through and you know trying to filter out my friends who I didn't didn't want to listen to their political views anymore or stories that I didn't want to see anymore or or invites or the, I just got tired of it and so I, I just stopped going to it i I pop on occasionally because it is a way for the family to stay connected to see pictures so I' probably log in about once a week and it turns out this is a problem for Facebook, and like you said, their their user their their new user uh uh pool is still growing, but it's not growing at the the incredible rate that it was growing at. And so apparently Mark Zuck, what's his name, Zuck, Zuckerberg, the, the
0: yep. there you go. yeah,
1: he the Z yeah he he's um basically said they're they're revisiting the whole Facebook algorithm uh that they're they're trying to get people to come back they want people to come back and to be engaged and they want to be re- relevant i think that's the problem is i think for a while you know it was this huge explosion of geeky nerdy people on there embracing facebook and leveraging facebook and then it, it it kind of ex- expanded into like normal people and the just the mundane information that normal people talked about and all the geeky people the people who built Facebook started leaving Facebook and
0: same thing happened with Twitter though Twitter was built by by geeks say that with a very loving um, attitude there yeah absolutely Uh, but then it just became too much and that I think that's why I don't tweet as much as I used to yeah
1: uh, so this this article that uh, I posted in Trello while well, I had show notes, I was reading through it, and it's funny because it's like a lot of the things they're talking about, I started seeing, which is basically I started seeing emails coming from Facebook saying, hey, you have new notifications, and you have a – I forget what it was, like a tag or a poke. Or a, I'm like, I didn't realize people could still poke you on Facebook. What the hell is that? And, you know, just – even uh, Facebook started engaging me, trying to get me to com- come back on and, and check, um, you know, just check out my timeline,
2: like a friend from junior high. Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, I see. I have a I have a separate Facebook profile that I use for testing uh, an API integration a few years ago, and I still get an email once, probably a week if not more, of "Hey, so and so just updated their profile." It's like. Yeah, I'm not using this. I really don't care. Right. But I also don't care I don't care enough to stop the email either, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I just delete it.
1: And and apparently that's part of the uh part of this new initiative Facebook has and the article actually outlines some of the kind of almost scammier ways that they're trying to get people just to log into their Facebook to check their Facebook. Right? It's uh it's interesting because I I'm I'm curious I don't know. It's like now that I'm not on Facebook, I really don't miss it. But I know, like, my wife lives on Facebook. I mean, and my kids, uh, you know, they're... My wife probably more, but they're just... Uh, you know, she she has so many interactions. She's part of communities in, through Facebook. So, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is for Facebook. I mean, uh, it, I don't see it ever really being that engaging for me ever again. But it may be. I don't know. I think if I had kids... I would
0: share. I would yeah, that's the big big thing for me is having the kids wanting to share with family. So 90% uh, of my know. posts are <laughs> kid posts.
2: <laughs> it's, it's either a new adorable child picture or what beer you're drinking at noon 30.
0: <laughs> or my automatic Twitter to Facebook, which I tweet. My tech <laughs> which my, you my need tech to stuff, stop doing. My I've tech seen stuff it because I...
2: your family can't can't comprehend why you're posting this on their timeline. It's have you seen that, yeah. Eric? Yeah. It's hilarious. He'll post some technical question and then his mother in law will say, I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't seen that. No
0: No, no <laughs> matter how many times fantastic. i no matter, no matter how many times I tell him, listen when i tweet i i talk geek to my friends on twitter yes that automatically goes to facebook they still have the, the need to comment on it you don't have to you can stop it's okay
2: that's part of the social structure of facebook though is the the billions of comments on stuff that are just iterations of i read this i don't i don't understand I, yeah,
1: but I mean, you know, a, a good use case for it is we have we have some friends who I mean, although not very close friends, not people we talk to all the time. We we you know we run into them occasionally and we do things and you know my kids have babysat for them and they're good people and you know we like them and all, but we're not tight and we don't really run in the same circles. And it turns out that they're expecting another, another child and my wife found out about that through, you know, through Facebook and it's, you know, it it allows her to stay current in that relationship without, without having to engage. So
2: I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, but there's, there's a counterpoint to it though, too, where like my, my wife's aunt added me on Facebook today. And I was looking at it thinking first, who is this person to me? And then second, what was the last thing I put on Facebook? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure about it. it was about how the fall of capitalism will be the end of the American bourgeoisie. And I'm not sure that I want extended family reading my, my dark rantings on Facebook.
1: <laughs> well, don't post them there then.
2: Well, that's what it's for. <laughs> Another interesting thing that Facebook is doing is they've – They've, they've, they've been criticized for a poor reaction to the Russian fake news spam during the presidential election. But they have just, just announced that they are banning all advertisements for cryptocurrencies whatsoever. Anything promoting cryptocurrencies or ICOs or blockchain or Bitcoin... They are not allowing on their platform
1: what what is their
2: justification for that that's a good question uh, the quote the quote I have here is this policy is intentionally broad while we work to better detect deceptive and misleading advertising practices and I think that's one of the things that people don't talk enough about with the cryptocurrency world is that it is inundated with scams it really is a researcher's market right now if you're not doing research you're gonna lose all your money pretty guaranteed mm-hmm. um especially if someone is targeting you in an advertisement they're probably just trying to steal your money but they haven't given a a a reason beyond that beyond we're trying to avoid deceptive advertising practices
0: are they trying to steal or are they trying to ask you nicely for you to give it to them and you're offering it steal they have to reach into your pocket and take it out
2: no that's it's not it's very (laughs) you you can steal nicely (laughs) i have an older card here with facebook as well this is this is I'm clearing all my Facebook garbage right now.
0: Good because we're running long, so you can make it quick.
2: Facebook is getting in trouble because they have targeted advertisement. So you can say, "I want this. To, I want this advertisement to target this demographic." Uh, and one of the things you can advertise on Facebook is job positions. And when you're advertising for a job position, according to most laws in America and in the UK. You have to be advertising openly to all uh, denominations or groups. You have to be saying this is for anyone who wants to apply. Mm. But employers are electing to advertise exclusively to younger people. They're saying we want young people for this position, so we'll only target the young people demographic on Facebook.
0: That's interesting because I, I know you can't ask questions like during an interview. You're not allowed to ask things like age, but where you or where religion,
2: you, you can you can even target Christians on Facebook.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting because I mean, what stops me from putting my advertisement, my job ad, into a predominantly Christian newspaper or into, anyone can
2: read that newspaper. I can That's still true. get that newspaper. That's
0: The true. question
2: here is, because Facebook is filtering which ads are shown to you specifically, you cannot get an ad for a position if they think you're not in their demographic.
0: Interesting point.
2: So there's a very big concern right now about advertising for available positions on social media because it does violate a number of very Big laws. And these are companies like Verizon, Amazon, Goldman Sachs, things like that. Companies that they don't get to skirt the law in these kinds of ways. They're not a bakery that has filed a lawsuit about the the sexuality of the baby being born or something. This is corporations who <clears throat> say, we want young people working in the registers, so we're targeting young people on Facebook. Eric, and that's blatantly illegal.
0: Take our ad out of Teen Vogue, please.
1: <laughs> you know, you, you actually had me sitting there thinking for a minute, wait, do we do we put an ad in Teen, teen Vogue? <laughs> that was D- years
2: don't ago. Don't scare me like that, man. <laughs> the company has pivoted since then.
0: I'm old. I don't know any teen magazines right now, so I threw something out that made somewhat some sort of sense.
2: So the the interesting twist on this is that in order to see the ad, you would have to provide information that was false on your Facebook profile, which companies such as Facebook are claiming is a violation of the 1986 Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. So you would have to incriminate yourself in order to see these positions made available to you. It's interesting stuff. Weird, weird stuff. Uh, and i I think i'll leave just leave that hanging in the dead air
0: (laughs) that ends this episode on doom and gloom as usual yeah (laughs) all right we're well over an hour into this yeah i think it's time to wrap it up what do you guys think
2: i'd like to say we're a solid hour into it
0: all right well once we cut it down we might be like 10 minutes into it because we really didn't talk about anything this episode
2: we had a great conversation about MongoDB
0: that's true all right let's wrap this up this has been episode 94 of PHP Ugly I'm John Konkin.
1: Hi I'm Eric Van Johnson
2: Hi, I'm Tom Rideout keep it <laughs> keep up it up. ugly <laughs> the worst closer Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to PHPUgly at reddit.com slash r slash PHPUgly. Until next week, keep it ugly.